0: You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen.
1: I'm Rob Hutchinson. We are chatting today with Hideon and uh, And as I said, he said, Quite a well-known civil activist and, um, ex-Mango pilot. We'll chat about that and what happened there. And he's also owns a, a publication called Paratas, which is an initiative promoting responsible firearm ownership and also happens to be a board member of Dear South Africa, an organization facilitating public participation. Good afternoon, Hidia, and I trust you're well. Good afternoon,
0: Rob, and that makes me sound like I wear an awful number of hats on a daily basis. It's weighing me down.
1: (laughs) Well, one hat we know that you definitely wore was was the pilot's uniforms.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was that was it, indeed.
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, what actually happened there? You know, it's, what happened with the whole, the whole manga, manga thing? You were a pilot re- up until quite recently.
0: Uh, up until about August last year, so I mean, I can speak freely now because I've unshackled myself from that, uh, that, that all sordid organisation. But. As, as is typical of state-owned enterprises, mm-hmm. and unfortunately Mango is, is no different to its parent company SAA as far as mismanagement and, uh, a violation of basic corporate governance principles are concerned. So when we went into lockdown end of May last year, the company unilaterally just decided that it was going to stop paying salaries. So mm-hmm. they essentially, uh, and lawfully changed the conditions of employment of every single employee in the company unilaterally without any sort of consultation and then they tried coercing and strong-arming people into signing something uh, some poorly thought through and poorly worded short-time agreement and there were a handful of us uh, that objected to this in a very very strong manner uh, the company didn't communicate with its employees it was it was a complete dog show for for want of a better word uh, I would use stronger language, but I don't want to offend uh, the audience unnecessarily. <laughs> and ultimately, what happened is I, I went on one of Ramon Cabanac's live streams where I unpacked this issue very frankly. Mm. I then got a call from HR after this where they took issue with me bringing the company into disrepute where I vehemently disagreed with them. I said, well, firstly, everything I said was already in the public domain. And secondly, everything I said was, was true. And if you can disprove a single thing that I mentioned, then I will apologize and retract. And, of course, they couldn't. Uh, so they wanted to discipline me, and at this stage they'd, they'd uh, owe me have or already have owed me several months' worth of salary. And I said, "Well, ha- here's a deal: you pay me what you owe me, and I'll consider uh, pitching up for the disciplinary proceedings. But until you know um, you settle your debt to me, I'm not interested in participating in a kangaroo court." And I said, "But I've got a better deal for you: if you retrench me." I'll, I'll leave. I'll take the money and go and, uh, that'll be the end of it. And their words to me were, we would love to retrench you, but we don't have the money. (laughs) And that's, (laughs) and that's when I kind of knew, okay. Um, and it was a big punch up with the CEO and ultimately I made the decision. I said, you know, I can either carry on here, um, you know, on this road to an aneurysm and a heart attack because it was a very hostile work environment. I can carry on fighting a losing battle here, or I can just cut my losses, leave and go apply my energy and my skills and, and everything else elsewhere in, in, in a different se- sector of the economy and, uh, and rather be productive as opposed to constantly wasting my time, uh, casting pills before swine and, and not getting anywhere. And, and that's kind of how, how I got to where I am at the moment.
1: Oh, fantastic! It's 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 always a a wonderful personal experience that that pushes you towards. Um, civil activism, as, as such. But this, that wasn't your first uh, step into civil activism. You've, you've been quite involved with the um, uh, firearm activists and uh, gun owners' associations, and so on, and have your own own publication. And that I'm sure that's been going going on for years. And you know, I mentioned earlier earlier on in the show that um, we were chatting about the uh, Bill of Rights. And how it guarantees certain rights to, to people, um, inalienable rights that cannot ever be taken away. But there also appears to be conflict in it, um, often. And they actually quote two, two examples. They say one person's right to dignity may clash with another person's right to freedom of expression. One citizen's right to be protected from a violent suspected criminal. Will conflict with that suspect's right to freedom of movement. I don't know if it sounds like a, a long shot, but in, in a court of law, that that could be quite quite a quite a note to to point on. So, given your history on on uh, firearm rights and the right to to bear arms and and so on, what do you feel about these new? Um, uh, Proposed or draft amendments that have been put forward by our uh, lovely minister of, of police
0: Well, there's there's much I could say about it, Rob And, and we'll be here all day But mm-hmm. w- apart from the fact that I think criminalizing gun ownership for self-defense Is, is an atrocity in itself And, and that is a, a direct attack on your constitutional right to life What is also proposed in there would essentially Eviscerate and destroy The sport shooting fraternity In this country in totality And it will also irreparably Harm if not uh, kill Hunting as well uh, Due to the nonsensical numerical Restrictions it places on on how Many guns sport shooters and hunters are allowed To own Uh, Mm. it would make it Impossible for them to compete in sport shooting Events it would also make hunting Almost uh, impossible as well And None of these, none of these amendments are, and this is the thing, someone asked me the other day on another interview, but surely there needs, there has to be something good in this entire 140 page document. And I said, well, between a whole bunch of organizations, we've been going through this thing with a fine tooth comb and we have yet to find a single proposal that isn't awful. But to circle back to your discussion of the Bill of Rights, interestingly enough, the preamble of the Farms Control Act, as it presently is written, stipulates uh, quite clearly that uh, whereas every person has the right to life and the right to your security of person, which includes, among other things, the right to be free from all forms of violence from other public or private sources, and whereas the adequate protection of such rights is fundamental to the well-being and social economic development of every person, mm-hmm. that segment there – is removed entirely by this new proposed amendment, which indicates to me that this new amendment isn't about enhancing the freedom and security and safety of the individual citizen, but is now in fact a cynical instrument of state and government control. Um, that's, that's almost Stalinist in, in its execution. Mm-hmm. So we've actually moved this legislation away from its constitutional fa- foundations. As, as many criticisms as I have against the present act and how it's implemented, at least it has those. This amendment, by the looks of it, actually cuts that, that right out.
1: Now that's rather concerning, you know. But, you know, when I, when I read the minister's statement yesterday, something stood out to me and I just could not ignore it at all. And the minister says that there is, there is no right to bear arms in our constitution and the Firearm Control Act, in its current form, also grants no such right to citizens. So, and he goes on and then says that owning a gun in this country remains a privilege made possible through the Firearms Control Act. Now, he he also said that, you know, the mere possession of a firearm can lead to increased rates of victimization, both for the gun owner and those living, living in the households. So he seems to be um, using... One, one problem that we have in South Africa to, to enforce what seems to be anti-constitutional rights or are they really anti-constitutional? He is correct when he says there's no right to bear arms in our constitution, but then he seems to be referring back to the second amendment in the US constitution and ignoring the clause that, that you just mentioned there. How, how do we, what are the plans here to actually to educate, and I, I use that as a, as a horrific term Maybe to educate our minister as to what the actual facts are here
0: So um, before I answer the question properly Let me just uh, answer Minister Teller's last statement Where he said a farm ownership increases your mm-hmm. chances of being A victim then I would say Minister Tele, I then highly recommend you disarm The SAPS in their entirety For their own safety as well as Remove your arm protection detail with immediate Effect because that's clearly painting a massive Target on your back by your own admission <laughs> um, <laughs> but to segue away from, from that and, and that's not I'm not saying that sarcastically I actually mean that mm-hmm. uh, Farm ownership in South Africa is not an explicit right But I also think this is There's a bit of a a misunderstanding how constitutions work. Uh, In America, for example, the Second Amendment doesn't give Americans the right to keep and bear arms. Mm. They have that right. The Second Amendment merely enshrines and protects it. In South Africa... I'd like to say we have an implied right to firearm ownership for the simple reason that firearms are merely a tool. We use these tools for various purposes. The, the police service use firearms as a defensive tool as well as a tool for law enforcement in order to enhance their capacities to maintain law and order as per their constitutional mandate. Private security companies use firearms as a, similarly as a tool of enhancing their capacity to perform their private security duties. Uh, individual self-defense carriers use forums as a tool to protect their constitutional right to life from harm from predatory criminals who seek to do them, to, to do them harm, whether it is to rob them, rape them, or murder them, or, or do similar to, to innocent third parties for which these people can step in and protect them as happens countless amounts of times uh, annually in our country as is. Farms can be used for hunting purposes to put uh, food on the table as well as to control animal populations in order to enhance conservation. They're used for recreational uh, purposes and the sports shooting, which is a very legitimate pur- purpose considering we have a great number of internationally competitive and championship-winning sports shooters in this country. Um, the list goes on. Mm. So, yeah, I think once you realize that the farm itself doesn't have a right, but the person owning it and wielding it for a legitimate purpose certainly does. The conversation maybe gets a lot more interesting.
1: It certainly does. Which, which brings about the question as to what is behind this whole, this whole amendment? And uh, we know that it's been floating around in, in the halls and corridors of, of parliament for quite some time in various different forms. Why do you think they've suddenly brought, brought it into, into light now?
0: Well, they've been bringing a whole whack of really terrible legislative proposals uh, into – into life at the moment I mean we're looking at NHI the expropriation without compensation uh, thing that has been going on for quite considerable time the attempt to to uh, essentially cut the legs out from underneath courier companies by uh, f- uh, you know getting the post office to deliver everything under one kilogram uh, there's been an assault on content creators and I suppose you can call it broadcasting outside of the SABC because they want us to pay TV licenses for everything. Uh, the list of, of of bad proposed legislation is so long and extensive. And the cynic in me says that with COVID and with lockdown, they see our population as down, out, defeated, desperate, scared, weakened, uncoordinated and uncooperative, and that we know that the ANC has an obsession with the strong centralization of power, yeah, and that is power over private, economic, and political life. They have this obsession. They are a more akin to a mafia than they are to a political organization. And now is a great time for them to try and grab as much as they can before they face the consequences of their poor governance at the, at the ballot box for the first time uh, in October, which is another thing that they're trying to postpone at the moment. Mm. So I don't think we can be called conspiracy theorists when all this is all these disparate things are in the public domain and you can quite clearly see the thread connecting them.
1: Absolutely, and there's, there's definitely a thread connecting them, and it's becoming more and more and more obvious. Those who were once called conspiracy theorists are now, are now called predictors of the future. And it's, it's just uh, the simple fact that you can put the pieces together and join the dots and um, knowledge about the underlying policies that, that exist in, in, in our government, and that those will always... Uh, come to the top and, and play a major uh, influencing power towards the way, the way the country goes and the way government treats, treats its citizens. We're going to take a, a quick break and then uh, carry on with this fantastic conversation um, in a couple of minutes.
0: You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen.
1: Welcome back to Water 1.9 High FM. We're chatting today with Gideon Jubei about the Bill of Rights and more specifically, um, the infringement of what might be seen as, as your, your right to, to bear arms and to self-defense more, more accurately with the introduction of the, the latest amendments to the Firearm Control Act. Gideon, well what a uh, there's so much to talk about here um, you know, what <laughs> what would be the most important thing here what uh, that, that the public needs to be aware of with the uh, changes in, in in this bill
0: so uh, the changes in the bill um, i 'll go over them briefly is that it removes self defense as a reason to own and license a firearm in its entirety it also removes The license segment pertaining to collectors So you can no longer be a firearm collector It places significant And and almost unworkable uh, Ammo capacity limitations On the remaining license holders And it prohibits Reloading of own ammunition Which is used for for two purposes One, sport shooters use it as a massive Cost saving mechanism And hunters use it as a practical consideration because for for many hunting rifles, very special loads pertaining to bullet weights and the amount of propellant used are specifically worked out to enhance accuracy and and effectiveness of those calibers. So it it becomes a very scientific process. That is completely outlawed. Sport shooters and hunters are likewise significantly limited to what they can own. And for a layperson, it may not seem significant, but as a sport shooter, you're limited to two handguns only. To put it into perspective, uh, one of the more popular uh, sport, or rather internationally participated, sports shooting disciplines has a minimum of seven handgun categories, or rather seven handgun divisions, and two caliber categories per division. And they do allow licensed or sport shooters to have backup guns for every category because if your your primary firearm goes breaks during a tournament and you do not have a backup that is identical, you will not be allowed to proceed with that competition and will be dis- effectively disqualified. So it is quite easy for even a moderately dedicated or, or participant in shooting sports to easily own 7 to 18 handguns. It's the same with long rifles. It's the same with shotguns. So it's clear that these numerical restrictions are arbitrary and that they're not designed with, with any General purpose, apart to, apart from some sort of megalomaniac urge from Bekele and uh, his compatriots to simply restrict the the number of firearms in civilian hands, uh, for the sake of doing so, even though they at the same time have significantly increased the VIP protection budget, uh, which just again indicates to me, you know, you're cutting the SAPS budget by billions of rands for the past three years. Increase the VIP protection budget at the same time. Who who are, are politicians afraid of, Rob? And who are they hiding from?
1: Well, yeah, that is absolutely the the question. And it's pretty, it's becoming more and more blatantly obvious that uh, uh, politicians are afraid of something. Is it some sort of uprising? Who knows what's what what they are afraid of? And there's really no reason for them to be to be afraid of anything at all. They just need to simply start, you know, acting like proper, proper government officials and start governing instead of polit- politicizing everything. And then, you know, the, the so-called threats would, would, would be gone. But that also brings into uh, question a question ho- a whole lot of different scenarios. Will, will, will the elections be postponed? Will that create chaos and violence? Um are they afraid that if there are elections that, that are going to take will there be will there be more violence we We really don 't know, and it's definitely appears that all all these legislative amendments that that have come about lately are uh, designed to to maintain power and as you say, to centralize all that power within within the government, make government even even more powerful, which is rather. Concerning uh, for for many South Africans, I think um, the first point that you touched on there with with, with this legislation is uh, the deleting of licensing of firearms for self defence. That immediately goes goes against the values set out in the Bill of Rights within within the Constitution, and that surely that that should be up for a ma- a major challenge going going forward.
0: Uh, it should be, and I think that's precisely what's happening. Just, uh, just looking at the various campaigns that are all independently going. I mean, there's the, the public participation open on DRSA, which is well on its way to 50,000 participants in a three day period. And I mean, it's only just picking up steam. There is the AFRI Forum uh, participation process. There is the one from the Institute of Race Relations. The DA has gotten involved, as have the Freedom Front Plus. I have, in my personal capacity, been contacted by members of the MK Military Veterans Association self-defense units who have expressed visceral anger and uh, uh, opposition to what is proposed, and they are busy taking actions internally within their their branch structures towards their mother body and leadership. I believe the ANC Youth League are similarly upset mm. by this um, it's, it's been a broad-based effort. It's a whole, a uh, whole swathe of of gun owning and gun rights organizations like Gun Owners SA have, have taken the, the, the tip of the sword on this. It's a very diverse, energetic and, uh, I'd say well coordinated in spite of, of all the efforts being as independent as they are process. Mm-hmm. And the pressure really does need to be sustained over the next six weeks.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's, it's absolutely wonderful this might be one of those uniting moments for, for all sectors of society. You said MK Vets and ANC Youth League and AfriForum in, in the same paragraph and same sentence there, which is not, not something you would ever see anywhere, anywhere else than uniting against a, a, a common threat. And you know, there's, there's, there's nothing that, that, uh, unites people like like a common enemy, and perhaps, perhaps is way more than just uh, a, a an amendment to, to firearm controls and 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 about guns or firearms. This is actually a fundamental moment in in South Africa's future, and how we handle this as a united society across the political spectrum will really determine. The future, uh, definitely the future and and laws to come. Um, we're going to take another short, quick break and then we'll we'll come back to this conversation right away.
0: You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen.
1: So welcome back to 101.9 High FM. Um, we're chatting today about a rather important issue, which is the amendment to the Firearms Control Act. And one of the most important uh, changes there is the removal of the ability to have a firearm for self-defense purposes. Now, we were chatting just before the break about this might be a uniting moment for all South Africans because it seems to stretch far further than just... Uh, firearms, or handguns, or even amendment to the Firearms Control Act. So, Julian, how how does the public get involved? Jay? Is it worth the public getting involved, or how effective will it be? And will will the public's involvement actually um, have an impact on what is essentially draft legislation at at this stage?
0: It will most certainly have a massive uh, impact, and it, uh, the impact itself can cause if if we can sustain the present pressure, it will cause government to shelve this and back away from it and uh, hopefully never, ever, ever try to propose something as ridiculous as this ever again. So the best way to get involved is, well, obviously, please use <laughs> the DRSA public participation platform. It is not a petition. It is a legitimate form of registering your individual submissions at the source, in this case the Civilian Secretariat of Police, So every individual submission is emailed through to that source email address provided by them, and it is as well as uh, being publicly tracked, counted, and kept record of so that government cannot come back and say, oh, we only received 5,000 submissions when we know for a fact that 500,000, which is hopefully what we'll get, uh, has gone through the DRSa platform alone. The other players are uh, also participating in in similar processes. And you know what? If you're going to if you're going to use DRSa, do them all. Or if you're going to do mm-hmm. the others, do us as well. Like do, the more the merrier. AFRIFORum forum has a has a process ongoing. Participate in that one. As does the South African Institute of Race Relations, uh, who have been great of great assistance in this entire process. Both those organisations, the Democratic Alliance have come out flying they 've got a petition that 's running that's uh, that 's worth participating in as well and I do believe that the freedom front plus as well as has something uh, similar going on so those are all worth looking at and uh, please do participate we We need every single person to make their voice heard, even if you don 't agree with us, even if you viscerally oppose what we stand for and and you want to put a submission to the opposite direction, that's still participative democracy, and I might not like what you say, and I might not like you, and you might not like me, but please, it's important. It's important for our country that people take things like this seriously and that they become involved. Apart from that, if you feel that that's not enough and you would like to be a bit more dedicated, uh, it's the usual mantra, write letters to your community newspapers as well as to... Bigger, more commercial newspapers to their editors Phone radio stations Phone high FM uh, Send them messages as well um, Get your voice heard in every platform you can uh, Approach your political representatives From ward councillor upwards straight to the top um, Take this stuff seriously, folks Because it's, it's ultimately our rights to lose We have to take owner If we don't take ownership of our rights and of our privileges They will be eroded by Ever more centralizing and more authoritarian governments. So it's up to
1: us. Absolutely. And I think, I think you touched on some amazing points there. This is, this is almost a, a cornerstone for, for our democracy in this country. We've all been put to the test now. Will, will the public stand up and actually have their say? Will they influence this, will influence the outcome of this draft amendment? And as, as you say, Kirin, it's, it's not just uh, a petition. Um, if you get going to participate in, in a petition Remember it is just a petition And government will treat uh, all petitions as a single submission No matter how many uh, signatories they have So have your say on a, on a petition But also have your say in a proper public participation mm-hmm. forum Such as we have provided on dearsouthafrica.co.za, And that you can either be for it or against it we must have your say in, in this important piece of, of legislation. Hedion, it's been wonderful chatting to you. I'm sure we could go on for a couple more hours on various other issues. There's just so much to say around here, and um, we'll definitely, definitely have you on again. Thank you so much, Hedion.
0: Thank you, Rob, and thank you, listeners, and have a wonderful day.